Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs, and it's a special week because it's my birthday. It's my birthday week, Saturday, July 7th. It is my birthday, and so this episode today is things that I love and wanted to talk about on my birthday. Uh, The music in the background is from our good friend Dave Barnes. If you have not got his new album, you need to do it for my birthday. Get the new Dave Barnes album for yourself. And uh, make sure you hear him live anytime he is coming around where you are. And he'll be here August 3rd at the Ryman Auditorium. I will be there. A bunch of our friends will be there. So if you want to be in Nashville for a few days, that would be a great time to come. There actually is a really cool fundraiser as well on August 2nd. You can go to redjet.com, R-E-D-J-E-T-T.com. It is, I'm hosting it. It's Chris McCarney. Cody Carnes, Lauren Daigle, Holland, Sadie Robertson. It's going to be such a fun night raising money for musicians on call. So there's two shows, two nights in a row, and then stick around and go to Crosspoint with us on Sunday morning if you want to. So be a really fun weekend. Today on the show, we're going to do two parts. For starters, quick update on the World Cup with me, Dave Barnes, and Aaron Tuning. The World Cup is through the first two rounds. We're to the semifinals. There's only eight teams left of the 32, and none of the teams we predicted to win are still in it. So me and Dave and Aaron sat down and kind of did a little follow-up about where the World Cup is and where we think it's going. So that will be first. And then when you guys, in May, when you guys filled out the survey, we gave you a spot to ask any question you wanted to ask. And we got thousands of questions, literally thousands. And so Sweet Maggie, who works for me, scrolled through a bunch of them and pulled some of the questions that were repeating and the questions that she saw over and over again and separate them into categories. So today we have Maggie and Eliza, both who work with me, and they are going to ping the questions at me. So that is what we've got coming. First World Cup, then me and Maggie and Eliza. So first up, me, Dave, and Aaron. Here we go. Do you know, uh, we're recording this update for our friends uh, on the World Cup, which for starters, are both of you so impressed with how many people have watched the World Cup because of your words? I feel like our job here may be done. Yeah. We've done it. People are tagging you too, Aaron, yeah? Absolutely. So many great tweets. They're like, I've never cared before and now it's ruined my life. (laughs) Yeah. You're like, welcome. Yeah. You're like, welcome to soccer. It'll break your heart. That's right. That's right. And currently, both of you are still watching a soccer game. Yeah. So so while we're recording this... uh, Colombia and England are an extra time. By the time you hear this, that will have been determined. But real time, it is 96 minutes into overtime. And we scheduled this perfectly if the game would have ended when it was supposed to end. Yeah, you yeah. nailed that. Yeah. And then Colombia had to go and mess it all up. I know. Who True, we might for? erupt into, uh, into cheers at any moment. I'm cheering for England. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Me, Me too. too. Okay, so back up. Both. I mean, both of you continue to watch. Just keep us updated. Back up and say how you feel about where we are. In, in one sentence, how do you feel about where the World Cup is right now? It is oh, one sentence. Yeah, do it. It's wide open, and I'm loving it because I feel like it's anybody's to win. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say, uh, I'd say one word, just surprised. Really? Yeah. And an interesting thing is all the teams that we talked about literally are gone. Yeah. And there's still, so we started at 32, down to 16. And by the time everybody listens to this today on Friday, July 6th, it is, starts the rounds of eight. The quarterfinals, right? right. Quarter? Yeah. yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Because yes. semis are four. Okay. So quarterfinals. So I should probably pull up who that is because I don't know it in my heart. And we'll talk about them real quick. Sorry. Yeah. I, well, I think I may, 
I think I may. You have it in your heart? Well, no, I can't because that'll. There's still something to be played. Just this one. This oh, is the last one. one. Yeah. Yeah. So it's Bel. Well, I can tell you because I've got it on my calendar. <laughs> you know you're bad when you've downloaded an iCal thing into your phone. <laughs> so and I get alarms like, hey, guess what's coming up? Another game. Do you know what's funny is that Delta alerts me of my flights taking off five minutes before they take off. Yeah. And I'm like, if I'm not in my oh, seat, yeah. that's a bad situation. Then this isn't going Okay, so we have Uruguay and France on Friday, mm-hmm. which is, I guess, the day it's coming out. Yes. Um, and what else is that day? Brazil and Belgium. Brazil and Belgium. There you go. And then Saturday is whoever wins this Sweden game. Sweden versus uh, this winner. Oh, yeah, that's right. England that's right. or. Um, Colombia and then Russia and Croatia. That's right. So two games on Friday, two games on Saturday. Mm-hmm. My B day, you guys. Oh, that's right. Birthday soccer. Oh, wow. Yes, that's, I know. That's good. This is the birthday show. We're doing half this and half Q and A with people who've sent in questions. Oh, that's nice. Show. Okay, so let's talk. We're just going to talk through the three games that we know are happening, and then maybe by then we'll know what the fourth game is. Yeah. Y'all feel good about that? Yeah. Cool. Uruguay and France. Go. Uh, you know, I think, so it's Uruguay, France, then it's Brazil, Belgium. Yeah. And then what's the other one? Croatia. Uh, Croatia, Russia, which Russia. that one is just conspiracy theories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So There's deep. a lot of dark arts right. happening. <laughs> People with silencers mm. in the stands. Mm. That it's all a, lot a lot of collusion. A lot of collusion. Maybe not lose today. Some okay. of our teammates, they yeah, that's do a lot the drugs. Of Svelta and... Borishnikovs. I don't yeah. know. That's the only two Russian. Okay, so Uruguay and France. Uruguay has I the guy that, who bites people. Th- that is that is um I would say the Belgian Brazil and the and that game are the two because I think four all four of those could be winners this year. So those two those two team those mm. two games will be really fun to watch. I think France has got the most mo right now. And oh I my think gosh, um, they look so good. Don't Mbapp, they? Mbapp, uh-huh. um <laughs> is so He's good, and I think if you watch soccer on the club level, you know about him from PSG, and he had the biggest. Aaron, was it the biggest transfer ever? I believe so. Yeah, yeah, last year, and Arsenal was kind of snooping him, which we know that was never going to happen. But, um, but anyway, just having him, you know, I think one of the things that I love about the World Cup. So four years ago, it was kind of James Rodriguez, James Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. He was the guy that really came out. You know, he got the big Real Madrid. Um, deal after that World yeah. Cup. He was the... Uh, did he get the MVP? Whatever. whatever the, the golden boot. Go, golden boot. Um, and did just he? had an incredible... Yeah, I think yeah. he did. He had, he had an incredible World Cup. You know, got the big contract. I think um, there's a good chance as far as like young, new talent like he was. Uh, I think Mbapp will be that for this one. So I think it's fun watching him and he seems to be a guy that's like, oh, I'm going to take this thing yeah. by the, the scruff of the neck. So I think that game will be fun to watch. Um, Who do you I pick think, as the winner? Uruguay, France. I think France. Yeah. And then Aaron, th- what's your what's your take on that? Uruguay, France. I'm saying France too. I think France is my new favorite to win it all. <gasps> really? I'm gonna say yeah, that. Yeah, because y'all both of y'all all of our favorites are mm, out. Yeah. To win it all. Right. Yeah, I picked Germany and uh it was miraculous how they got, they got <laughs> yeah, was, like yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh but Uruguay, I don't know. Suarez and Cavani, I feel like they can score yeah, at any time out of nowhere. Uh Cavani's just a terrifying man to watch. I'm so scared of him. <laughs> Um, so I don't know. I, I feel like if France can make it past, I, I I feel good with them against Brazil or Belgium. And they haven't won a World Cup since '98, right? Right. Wow, twenty years. Yep. All they right. they lost to Italy because of the headbutt. France, you know, it's yeah, Zidane. yeah, yeah. Right. But uh, but uh, so they were in that final, but just didn't win. Okay. 
the thing that's fun about a lot of the teams that are left, or a couple of them at least, especially in in my opinion, in Belgium and France, is you have pretty deep squads, like deeper than I would argue like Brazil is or um, Uruguay is. You know, it's like – so I think France – France, it's scary to me because it's like if it's not working, you got super subs mm-hmm. that are going to come in and are mm-hmm. just as terrifying as the starters. And that's not, in my opinion, really the case with much le- – what's left because all the superpowers are out. Yeah. A lot of the guys who I think – a lot of the teams that lost had that. I mean, Germany had that. Spain had that. I think a lot of the teams that are left don't have a lot of like they're really good eleven, but but you start getting into their bench, they're not very deep. And I think France is one of the few. Belgium's got a little bit of that too. That's like they've still got threats off the bench. Yeah. And I think and and this you know atrophy is such a dangerous thing in this stage of the yeah. tournament, and people are tired. Um, that can really start to matter a lot more. So that'll be fun to watch. I'm going France too. I'm I'm still standing by. They're the team that has a group text. That yeah. they are like pals off the field. Yeah. So True. for our friends that are listening, you can't lose. Here's the thing. We're going to guess who are going to win these four and go the next round. Yeah. But you, you just can't know anymore because no there way. aren't like yeah. highs and lows. And yeah. yeah, there's not a billion games, but I'm yeah. going with France too. Yeah, honestly, I feel like if, if you were betting, I would go against anything I say. <laughs> oh my I have, gosh, I feel the same. I have messed up I'm the, I'm the black so I think me saying France means... Uruguay's probably going to win. Yeah, <laughs> I, but you know, like Aaron, I, th- I think you're right. I will say this: my caveat to the to the France comment is you are right. I think um, when you have two of really probably the best ten attacking, you know, uh, uh, like forward strikers in the world on your team between Cavani and uh, Suarez, it, all they need is ten seconds. Mm. So you know that that that's where Brazil I think is really scary too. I, I read a <clears throat> really great quote. Yesterday, from a guy who said, "You know, Brazil doesn't kill you. It's I think the quote is they don't kill you in their movements; they kill you in moments. So all they oh, need wow. is five seconds in your toast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because especially with Neymar and you know Firmino, these guys who are just so good, and you know they're just kind of assassins. So um, I do think that that could be interesting. And I think that game, you know, I think um, Belgium to me. I said this. I think when we did the last podcast, like." I think theirs, theirs is the high. That's my wife. She loves me so much. Um, Man, that ring she has, too, is like, yeah, you better box. answer this. <laughs> Dave, what are you doing right now? Um, but I think Belgium, to me, are the favorites four years from now because they, they are young. They are super talented, but they're just still young. And I think watching that Japan game was a perfect example of that to me. I was talking to Mike and my buddy last night about the game, and I was like, you know, when they were down that two going into the 60th minute or whatever, yes. I thought this will be a really interesting season because they are good enough to win this game. Yeah. I mean, they they are they have so much talent, but they're still young. And so for me, yeah. it's interesting watching. It'll see how – because Brazil to me is very similar. Like, really talented, but they don't – they're young. They yeah, don't have yeah, – yeah. I mean, you know, Brazil, Brazil has um, – What's his name? Um, the older guy that's on PSG, that's the their captain, who's been there and done that for a long time. But Tiago Silva, Tiago Silva. But I just think that game is going to be really fun to watch because I think both are really good, but but they got to be there in between the mm. ears to make it. Yeah. They're not Germany. They're not Spain. That's like we just hunker in who both lost. But uh, <laughs> right. So that game will be really fun so to who watch. Who do you pick for it? Brazil, or Belgium. God, Aaron, you go first. I don't know. Uh, I'm going Belgium. I, yeah, are you? I mean, they they. Came into that last game just on a high, and they got knocked down a peg. That I've was so sad for Japan. Yeah, I mean, that. Yeah, me too. I had no stock in that game, but it like broke my heart <laughs> for those guys. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I feel like they're gonna bounce back. Uh, just 
top to bottom, I feel like they're just a complete team. Yeah, I'll pick them. I'm also super mad at Neymar for the stunt he pulled against Mexico. Man, yeah. no uh, I mean, diving a little bit is one thing, but that was just... I mean, everybody. I was at he's a pub a watching it. Everyone is upset at him. It was terrible. He he said, "Did you see that he's had a record set of fouls against him in this World Cup?" So I'm not. No. The diving drives me crazy, but he's at like 23 yeah. fouls committed against him, which is oh, like wow. way past, or it's like three to four past what the record is, and he they could still be in this tournament for you know three or four more games. So that number can only get bigger. Yeah. So I will say that I could see how he would start to get really frustrated and go, I'm going to take this into my own hands. I can't right. stand the diving thing, but I, I do think it'd be different if he was just out there doing it. When you realize they are they are literally breaking his legs every game, you <laughs> yeah. start to go, well, maybe. Get why. St- he would be I don't like, know, okay, Dave. No, I still I feel like I he is a dive machine. It he just is, makes me insane. I was called that in high school, but oh. yeah, that was when I was in the <laughs> swim team. Yeah, I think going down easy is one thing, but it's the – aggressive flopping and like a like a fish out of water i hate yeah. it yeah it's yeah. so ridiculous i um so i'm going belgium as well because i just do I, I i he has ruined brazil for me yeah single-handedly he's good he's I, obviously amazing. he's amazing like stop doing that because yeah. also the other thing is dives like that are what people see on highlight reels oh, and they hate it. and they hate soccer yeah, i've already gotten texts from same, my absolutely same friends. when i was recording the relevant podcast the one of the things one of the guys said when i was trying to talk up world cup one of the guys said oh i saw that guy roll around on the ground eight times and i was like this sport's so dumb and i was like oh like, that they is ex- do it in football I like- <laughs> like, that's a tackle so yeah. what yeah. right I do think that just makes not even getting cte well, it's stupid yeah right. <laughs> one of the things so, so i think I, I will also pick belgium i, I think one of the things that's always so fun, in my opinion, about watching the World Cup is one how much people care because you watch mm. players care, and, yeah. and you know when you get used to watching the EPL, the Bundesliga, whatever La Liga over a season, you know it's just games. You can tell the guys like I'm kind of phoning it in this game. Yeah. I have 25, yeah. 26 other games. I'll I'll make up for it. Right. World Cup. I mean, these guys are wearing themselves out. Yeah. I love that. But two is the, the dynamic of watching teams that are so dependent on their stars and then teams that are more even and then teams that aren't good, aren't as good on paper like Iceland, but when they get together, they, they really play well. And I think the thing I'm about Brazil versus Belgium is I think Brazil is too dependent on Neymar, on, on you know, Coutinho, some of these guys who are world world stars. But I, I think Belgium is just so much more well-rounded. Mm-hmm. So I think it will be interesting because I could also see Brazil score in the 85th minute out of nowhere right. and they went going to win Just it. like they just did yeah. to England. But it was funny watching that Belgium game because I remember thinking if they want to score, they can. They're yeah. that talented. Now that, yeah. that Vertonghen goal was a fluke, that header that sort of drifted weirdly into the net. But yeah. you just saw them go, we've actually got a couple more gears here that this mm-hmm. team doesn't mm-hmm. have. And I think mm-hmm. if they can – continue to do that they could be they could win the world cup did um, you guys see the japanese fans picking up trash uh, yes. uh, maybe my favorite story of the whole world cup oh my i think that is the coolest story of this world cup yeah they, they just clean up after themselves well did you see so, so they have all these images for for anybody's listening who's not really uh, soccer fans this is this is i think really interesting so the japanese fans this started to happen a couple of games ago where after the g- game unbeknownst to these fans, they would just stay and clean up. They would right. literally put stuff in the bags, leave them in the bleachers so that everybody, you know, who was cleaning up, pick them up. But then they, they uh, one of the um, FIFA, somebody in FIFA went into the Japanese locker room. And, you know, when you've lost in this tournament that deep into the tournament, you would just want to get showered get and out. get the heck out of yeah. there. They had cleaned the room. It was spotless. And they left an, uh, uh, 
piece of paper that in Russian said thank you. No. Yeah, in the middle of the table. It's just sitting. The room is completely spotless, and in the middle of the table, there's just a. they had written in Russian, thank you, from the Japanese team. And you just think, that's the stuff that is so, like, I that's love those That's the miscongeniality award. Yes, yeah, that's yeah, right. Absolutely. Yeah, Japan just got the miscongeniality. So you're going to hate that they, I mean, I, I hate they bowed out, because to your point, Aaron, they, they played such a great game, and they were so they determined. Did. But And they're 61st in the world, and Belgium was third. Yeah. So that's nuts, how thick of a deal yeah, that was. Nuts, yeah. And I, I, stupid or not, I think continentally, and I thought, oh, I hate that Asia's out. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I kind of hate yeah. that Africa's out. I hate There's that Asia's no out. I hate that North that America's out. Yeah. yeah. I got to hate that. Okay. Russia, Croatia. Oy. Croatia, to me, um, somebody said this earlier and I agree with them. I think they're playing the most like a club team, meaning like I would say the other team that probably has a group text is Croatia. Like uh. they, those are a bunch of guys who are kind of. Uh, blue collar, just, I mean, granted, they have superstars in their midfield, and man, Jujic, however you say his name, the striker, you know, is with Byron, I think, but, you know, those guys are just, they're just hustling, and they, there's not a lot of flair, There's they're just like, let's, but yeah. they have that attacking talent, which I think yeah. you have to have in this thing, so I really think if they can just put their head down, I don't, the Russia thing was such a, I couldn't believe that, it was such yeah. a fluke, they beat yeah. Spain, um, but uh, I don't see them progressing yeah. i just don't i mean i think it's awesome that the home country yeah has congratulations this tournament, but sure croatia Aaron, what are your thoughts croatia russia uh i hope they both lose okay I am, <laughs> and see. that's the that's the one i don't really care about um i mean Why? I, obviously croatia is probably a better team i don't know just neither of those teams have really caught my eye or gotten me involved in like a human side of it uh modric is super fun to watch uh former spur so i hate him sure uh so, yeah, I mean, I, in a game like that, I'll just pull for Russia, the underdog. You know, there's a whole theory. I saw a whole tweet theory about there being uh, the, the home country always finds a way to get themselves further than they should. Yeah. And so yeah. that seems to be the case. Yeah, I kind of want to see Russia done. I'm like, you did great. I agree. But it's time. You've done. Thank you. Thanks for hosting us. Yeah. I want to leave them a little note yeah. like Japan. Well, you know the thing. Yeah, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Um, Thank yeah. you. Bye. <laughs> I, think, I think the thing that is going to be really interesting moving forward is when you have when you have a lack of super power teams, granted, uh-huh. you have France, you have Belgium, you really start to realize that the, that the games could suffer the interesting, the interest level of just the games because uh-huh. Uh-huh. you don't have, I mean, you, you know, you have Navarre, but you don't have you know, Ozil in my, but you yeah, know, these, yeah, just yeah. these people that you go, this guy, every time, Messi, every time, sure. he, Ronaldo, every time it's just, and so it's going to, what I hope happens sadly is you kind of do want to see these teams. You're glad they got there. You're glad Russia got there. You're glad, yeah. but you kind of like, let's get, I want to see two, three goals a game. Yes, I don't want this to yes. be zero, zero and you go into extra time. Right. You know, and so that that's another part of hoping some of these teams win yeah. is you want to see like goals, yeah. you know? So the fourth game will be, who? <laughs> uh, Sweden versus England or Sweden versus uh, Colombia? I mean, how do yeah. we how do we make predictions here? Aaron, make a prediction. The only thing I said in our first podcast that still is kind of ringing true was uh, that England was my dark horse pick because I thought that they were finally going to click a little bit. Um, and they have for the most yeah. part uh, up until just giving up that late equalizer in this game. Brutal. Um, yeah, Harry Kane is on fire um i i see him going through and i see him beating croatia or russia really i, I think they can make the final i agree oh my gosh you do oh yeah because that yeah. so something for our friends who are listening to know is that the brackets are still split in half so there's still 
So there's traditions for this whole tournament. They've called one of the sides a little bit stronger than the other. Yeah. And the France, Uruguay, Brazil, Belgium side is considered a stronger. Much stronger. Yeah. yeah. Oh, much stronger. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Then Russia, Croatia, England slash Colombia yeah. and Sweden. Yeah. So you think whoever fills in the gap of England, Colombia could be the one that goes all the way. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Absolutely. And who's going? Okay, Aaron. So for your for your money, who on the other side is going all the way? You're a great friend. Who's the final game in your head? I'm saying France, England. Yeah. Oh, would that agree. be? My would heart agree. would be torn in two. I would agree. Yeah, because that the the favorite side of the bracket that's Brazil's number two, Belgium's number three, and France's number seven. So those are three teams that should be there. Yeah. Uh, technically, so in the world, you mean not in the tournament? That's their world. Yeah, ranking. in the world. So that's just super strong. And Uruguay is 14. So yeah. yeah. There's not a team, you know, above the 14th best team in the world. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to say France. We're calling France a France-England final. final. Yep. Which could, this could age terribly because by the time oh we, gosh, yeah. we actually release this on Friday or Columbia on Thursday. Columbia wins 5-1. <laughs> that's right. That's <laughs> right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Today's Thursday. Sorry, I said it was Friday earlier. We could watch Colombia win right now because yeah, it's on literally. Right now. I know. I just was refreshing the score to see if we knew anything, but they've gone to penalty kicks, huh? No, not yet. Oh, is it halftime of extra time? No, they just it's second, second, second half, half yeah. yeah. Yikes, yikes, yikes. Aaron, uh, so France, England, who's your winner then? France? France, going France. Giroux. Giroux. Lifting the cup. Man, That's did you see Dave? Aaron sent me a um, gift the other day oh, on yeah. Twitter with Giroux winking, and I was like, oh, yeah. well. Hello. Yeah, he got you. Like, Hello, Hello, Giroux. <laughs> there's been so many times I've typed in Giroux hot into like Google, yeah. and there's just You're just going to start getting, like, I would hate to see your browser, like the ads you're getting on the side of your browser. Oh, my right? gosh. Oh, yeah. If I still had like X3 watch, it would be binging. <laughs> oh, yeah. All your accountability partners would be calling. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Like, who is this guy? <laughs> we saw you've been buying Chelsea jerseys out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron, didn't you make a promise to us last time that you were going to drive up here for a game? What was the rule? What was the deal? Yeah, what I can't remember promises. what you said you were coming up for. Oh, yeah. Did we say the, uh, if somebody... Oh, we said if Iceland, didn't we? That was it. Okay, yeah. good. Okay, Ooh, I, I love that. Uh, yeah, you were like, no, what had happened was... Do you know what actually happens, Aaron, is the very final game... On Sunday, July 15th at 10 a.m., I am literally preaching on the Crosspoint stage at that time. Oh, what wow. Chances? I cannot even skip church. I am the preacher. I You're going to be like, church. and then every, like, looking at your phone on the uh, side, and then gold, gold, gold the Lord wants us to have okay. gold in start, our lives. Start at 11? It starts at 10. So that's the worst part, is it will end while I'm preaching the 11 o'clock. So we have a oh, 9 and an 11, no. and it'll end while I'm preaching at the 11. Yes, it's brutal. Um, okay, Aaron, the dream would be we do a final check-in after the World Cup, the three of us. Okay. Does that feel good to both How of you guys? How do we feel? What yeah. did we learn? Oh, I forgot to tell you there. I have a question that I don't know the answer to. Maybe one of you do. Someone tweeted and asked if next time we all gathered, if one, if somebody knew what language the refs all speak. Oh. I don't know that, but Aaron, wouldn't you guess that they are at least mildly fluent in English? It's mostly English, yeah. I, I've definitely seen them up close yelling things, and it'll be like Portugal. Like I've seen every team curse in English. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm assuming they're cool. cursing at the ref in English, yeah. too. Right. I know I do. Yeah. <laughs> when I'm cursing at the ref, it's totally in English. Yeah. Um, okay, thanks, buddy. We'll check in again at the end. Well done. I'm proud of both of you guys for just leading our friends toward the World Cup. They seem to have loved it. Anna, who did, who, did y'all, who did y'all pick? Did we say? Oh, sorry. I'm going to go England. I'm going to go that England is going to win it. 
I would love that. I, I agree. I agree with Aaron. I think it's France. I just think they've got they've got a spark I haven't seen anyone else have. They've got a gear. It's the group text. They, yep. They've got the Thank highest. You. They've got the highest uh, ceiling. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah, they yeah. can they can keep revving where other teams yeah. can't. I think that so. seems to be true. Yeah. Okay, Aaron. I feel great about this. You feel great about this? Yeah. We're gonna go back to watching the game, and now we're gonna know. I feel good. Viva la France. Viva la France. All right. Baguettes. Um, <laughs> oh, baguettes. my gosh. Hashtag baguettes. <laughs> Everyone, please use that hashtag for the yeah. rest of the World Cup yeah. with us when you're talking to us. <laughs> hashtag baguettes. Aaron, drive up here and watch a game with us. I don't care which one. You can come for my birthday games. Oh, Dave won't be here. Or come just watch church and watch it on my phone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You want to come hear me preach? Come hear me preach and we'll, but while you're watching you World can, Cup. You could just sit at the back and hold up a sign yeah. that shows the score, Aaron. Oh, true. That's right. Yeah. So. Okay, That's right. You can come up. Well, if you came up on the fourth. Yeah, we, we can just make all sorts of plans. Yes. Okay, cool. All right. Talk to you guys later. Thanks, Aaron. All right. Bye. Bye. So thanks to Dave and Aaron. So I hope you're with us. France may be the World Cup winners. We will see. Make sure you watch. It's, the games are so fun. Friday, two games on Friday, two games on Saturday. It'll be great. And then we'll be down to four teams. It's going to be so fun. Um, so before we jump into the next section, I want to tell you a little bit about my friends at Samaritan Ministries. At Samaritan Ministries, believers in Jesus are committed to sending financial gifts every month directly to an assigned member with a medical need. But there's more involved than money or mere physical healing when there's a need. And Samaritan members pray for each other and for every aspect of the need and encourage one another by sending notes and cards. Every month, more than 70,000 households give generously to other members with a qualified medical need through Samaritan Ministries. And it's one of the leading healthcare sharing ministries in America. And as a member, I can tell you that I am really enjoying it. It's members like me send checks and prayers and notes of encouragement directly to other members in need. Healthcare sharing is a unique opportunity for us to be hands and feet of Jesus to our neighbors and our friends. The Samaritan Ministries direct sharing model is a biblical approach to paying for healthcare based on Galatians 6-2. So currently, Samaritan members give a monthly share starting at about $100, depending on age and household size. And I love this, that no family is going to pay more than $495 a month, no matter what size your family is. Thousands of Christians are joining the movement that allows them to care for one another with their health care, sharing needs from broken bones to cancer, pregnancies, and organ transplants. Nearly a quarter of a million Christians have chosen a health care option that adheres to their biblical beliefs and brings together believers and community. So you can learn more at SamaritanMinistries.org. Make sure you check them out, SamaritanMinistries.org. And now, your questions with Maggie and Eliza. Hi, Maggie. Hi, Eliza. Hey. Hello. Eliza, how are you, friend? Listen, I'm just so happy to be here today. That's how I'm doing. I'm glad to hear it. We love having you here. Everybody loves when you guys are on the show. So, Maggie, this is actually your first official time on the show, isn't it? I mean, it's a little intimidating. I feel like I'm in the presence of royalty. Oh, boy. Never been here before. So. <laughs> no, the presence of royalty. <laughs> oh, my god! I'm talking about Eliza. Wow. Oh, yeah, yeah. You mostly yeah, yeah. mean Eliza. I got Obviously. it. I got it. I got it. Eliza, um, last time we did this, you just had a bunch of questions on writing. Isn't it, Maggie? There were a lot of questions that came in about writing, correct? Yes. A ton that came in. Yes. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Super. So here's what I think we're going to do. For those of you who have questions about writing, we actually have an entire podcast. Eliza, remind me again what number it is. I believe it is 36. 
seven, but we're going to double check that and that'll be in the show notes. Okay. So the late thirties is what we're saying. Late thirties. The late thirties, there is an entire episode about my journey toward writing. So we're not going to use our time here to do that. We are going to, um, only use our time to ask the other topics. Eliza, I mean, Maggie, when you were going through, what stood out to you as far as sections of what people want to talk about? Yeah, I mean, I was just blown away just by all of the thoughtful questions that people had. It really seemed like people were taking the time to like think about what they wanted to ask you. And I just love that. And I think you're the perfect person to answer these questions. Uh, so I guess basic uh, categories, a big one, friendship, another one, singleness, uh, a lot about the church and just transition in the church, knowing yeah. kind of what you walk through with Crosspoint. A lot about you, which I thought were some fun ones. <laughs> okay. Uh, a lot about God and then writing, which again they can go back to that other podcast yeah. to listen to. Okay, so let's just let's just go for it, Eliza. You want to start? What do you want to? This is. I mean, I've looked at them, but I didn't really read them. So you guys are just getting me on the fly because <laughs> so you fun. you wrote them all up while I, I was in uh, China, and so here we go. Okay, Eliza, start first. So this question came from Sarah Catherine, and she says, I admire the way you seem to value and execute friendship, at least from afar. Can you talk about what being a friend means to you and for you? Yeah, that's a great question. I think I think friendships are relationships that deserve as much time and effort as any other relationship you're in. And actually, I have found in my life that friendships, I learn so much about love and intimacy and vulnerability in friendship. I learned probably as much in that as I have so far in my dating relationships. I think that'll be different when I get married. But but yeah, that's why I value it so highly is I feel like I, there's so much to learn about God and myself in friendships. And so that's probably why it's such a big deal to me. Um, does that answer the question? Is that what she wants to know, why it matters? Yeah, and how you execute it. How I execute it. Well, I, you know, part of me being a seven and me being an Annie is that I, I try to see a friend every single day. It's like one of my goals is I try to spend time with a friend every single day, whether it's popping by their house after work or going to lunch or getting coffee. And, um, and you know, y'all know this, but there's my friend Mary Catherine about five or six years ago now told me to make my favorites on my phone. But she said, everyone feels like they're your best friend. Who do you actually trust the most? And she said, make those your favorites on your phone. And then you know when it's time who you are going to actually like when something really incredible or serious or good or bad happens, those are your top people. And so those are the people I try to make sure I talk to every week. And, um, and so, yeah, that, I mean, that's, that's kind of how I do it is I just think about it. I don't, I don't know. Do y'all have a better answer? I don't know about a better answer, but I I think what kind of what you're hitting on is just the fact that sometimes it can feel like you have so many friends and people that you're meeting, whether it's you're moving to a new city and you're trying to keep track of it all. Yeah. Um, but then, you, you know, six months later, you find out like, ah, oh, man, I'm not really going deep in any of these friendships. So yeah. I think kind of what you're saying as far as like, you know, having having a wide circle of friends yeah. that you do invite to like big hangouts, uh-huh. you know, but then also having like that favorite section in your yeah. contacts. Yeah. Of, and of, that's what yeah. I mean, that's what Jesus modeled for us, too. Right. Is there was a 72, there was a 12, there was a three. And so I try to do that, too. So, okay, Mags, your turn. Yeah, that's good. Question. Oh, well, something I love about you is just how extroverted you are. You're always looking for something fun to do. No surprise to anybody yes. listening. Yes. Uh, but for all the introverts in the world, how do they kind of engage with people? Um, one of our friends asked, she said, what advice would you give to an introvert who doesn't 
it doesn't come as naturally to go out and make friends. She said she's genuinely interested in people, mm-hmm. but doesn't want to come off creepy. Yeah. Well, for starters, I don't know that I should give any advice to introverts because I don't know how to be one at all. Um, but I would say that if the desire is in you to want to be around people and make friends, there are other people who feel the same way about you. There's someone there's someone you can match with. There's someone that, that there are a lot of times where introverts love extroverts and extroverts love introverts and the oppositeness is really beneficial. I think that's one way to do it is recognize that your desire is enough to start it and go, go somewhere where you would want to go and people that you want to be around are going to be there. Right? Like if you are looking for, if you love coffee shops, go to a coffee shop. If you love comic books, go to a comic book store. If you love, I mean, this is my advice for people when you're wanting to date somebody too, is like wherever you end up, look around because whatever you care about, the people around you care about too. And so I would tell her to go places where people care about the stuff she cares about. It's way easier, introvert or extrovert. It's way easier to talk to people when y'all already have a shared interest. So wherever that is, coffee shop, church, you know, car dealership, I don't know, wherever it is, (laughs) sporting event, wherever it is, it's way easier, I think. Yeah. And just like actually being yourself and talking about things, not not trying to, you know, go to places where this seems like the cool place to be, the cool cool people to hang out with. Yes. Go to what you actually care about. Yeah. Eliza, question? Yeah, I think to kind of dovetail off of yeah, that is, uh, so what would you add to something Bailey asked? She said, what were some ways you plugged in and tried to make friends your first year living in Nashville? I'm praying about moving out there from California, and I'm excited and terrified of feeling alone. Yeah, well, A, you're going to feel alone. I mean, that's just part of the deal. When you move somewhere by yourself, it is scary and hard. Um, you know, and y'all have both heard me talk about this a lot, but my first year I said yes all the time. That was my, that was my thing is I said yes, no matter what, even if I didn't want to go somewhere, if I didn't want to be with somebody, I still said yes to all of it. And so I would, that's a big deal to me is, and I actually saw a friend of mine who just moved uh, across the country as well. And she texted me and sent me a picture and she's like, well, here's me saying yes, even when I don't want to. And, and so I think that's, I think that's honestly the biggest way you do it. And so, and you plug in, I mean, it's literally, you're right, Eliza, to dovetail. It's the same question, right? Like it's literally the same question of go be you, love what you love, go to the places that have the things that you love and look around and see who else is there. Wouldn't you say, Eliza, I feel like you're good at that too. Yeah, absolutely. It reminds me, someone told me that I told them to do something a few years ago that I forgot. And it's that when you're trying to make friends, you should give it three awkward hangouts. Oh, that's beautiful. Like give it three times of feeling like this is not going to feel good. I might not even feel connected to them. When it specifically was spending time with people. And then from there, then you get to reevaluate and then you get to ask yourself, do you want to keep getting to know that person or going to that place? But like expect, expect it to be really hard three times. That's really good. That's good, Eliza. Yeah. Okay, Maggie, what else you got, girl? Keep it coming. Oh, so I feel like this is going things. great so far. Happy birthday to me. Happy I birthday. I love it. And I also think these are so funny because I, because y'all know me really well. I'm like, I am not an expert on just about anything. <laughs> and so, so the idea that, that y'all are here to help me is really great because I'm like, I don't necessarily know. I don't can't be sure. I don't know. You got a lot of years. I do. Oh, okay. Like at least well, 60. There we go. Know? All right. <laughs> it's an old thing now. Got it. It's an old thing. All right. All right. Let's see. First of all, people, love how many friends that you have. And there were a lot of questions about balance. Um, yeah. and, and maybe this is kind of threading into some of what we already talked about as far as like 
you know, when you're at that point, so you're a year, two years into some friendships, how do you, yeah. you know, what if a friendship isn't going well? How do you say yes to things, say no to things and really find that balance? Yeah. Um, I think you just have to be really honest with yourself. I think there are times where you have to go like, I thought this friendship was going to be forever. And I thought this was my best friend and this isn't working anymore. Or this doesn't, our lives have changed too much and we're, you know, we don't connect on the same things like we used to. And, and so I think being honest with yourself is a huge step in how you do friendship well and, and how you identify good. I, I think that the internet has done to us is made us feel like every friendship is supposed to be eternal, mm. right? Because you're that. friends with, you're friends with somebody on Facebook or you follow somebody on Instagram and you think, well, I'm going to be, we're going to be each other's lives forever. When 30, 40, 50 years ago, you were only in relationship with the people that were in your world or you sent letters to, mm. right? And so there are friendships that are meant to be seasonal and that is okay. That doesn't mean you're a bad friend or she's a bad friend or he's a bad friend. There's just some that aren't supposed to last forever. And so I think it makes sense to give yourself permission to go, Oh, this isn't working or, Oh, this, I don't want to be in this friendship anymore. I have a friend from college that I remember at one point we both kind of had this, like, are we getting more out of this or is this more work than fun? Is this more pain? And are we hurting each other more than we're benefiting each other? And I think you have to assess that kind of stuff too. Um, most of the time, I'd tell you to stick with it. Um, but also draw boundaries that you need to... Yeah, that's that's good. I, I like what you said about uh, if it's just not... like, are, Is it more work than it is fun? Because um, I think at the beginning of friendship, it can be really exciting. Everybody's kind of like... Yeah, just like relationship. I mean, yeah. again, it's one thing. Relationship is one thing. Totally. It just looks very different. With, when you're dating a man than when you're hanging out with your girlfriends. But it's the same thing. At some point, it stops being exciting and it starts being normal. And when it starts being normal, are you in or out? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. That's Eliza, good. I'm ready. Yeah. So some advice for 20-somethings trying to make lasting friendships. So kind of on that same train of thought, what about the friendships that you say, I'm in this and how do I make it last? Yeah, I think part of it is you just stay connected. Like you continue to have conversations and invite people in. Like, you know, for my for my three best friends in Atlanta, we still have a group text that we keep going multiple times a week. Even though we I'm not in their world anymore, they keep inviting me into their world. And I keep inviting them into mine. And so staying connected and staying in communication is one of the ways I think you have lasting friendships. And the other is like, ask God for lasting friendships and then see what happens. You know, like you can't, force that stuff. You can't make that stuff. You can't guarantee that stuff. Um, you can't ask, and Eliza, you and I have talked about this a lot on the road, but you can't ask your girlfriends to commit to you the way that a man is going to commit to you. Like that's just not, it's just not fair to put the expectations on another woman in friendship that you have on a boyfriend or a fiance or a husband. And it's easy for us to do that because we are looking for that committed relationship, most of us. And so, and so it's easy to do that. And you just have to be real careful and, and kind of trust friendships to ebb and flow the way they're supposed to. And, and just care about the other person, I think, is the way you make sure that the friendship is lasting. As long as you care about someone and they care about you, the thing's going to last. Yeah, definitely. That's what I think. Can you say more about the expectations just that we can place on friends that might be a little bit confused in our brains and our hearts with yeah. maybe a place that 
a man or, or a committed relationship like that would take. Yeah, I there's a really great book about it that I can't remember the title of. Sadly, it has shoes on the cover. That's not helpful at all. But that it's really what taught me where I was in a friendship with another girl, and she was one of my very best friends, and I had expectations on her. I wasn't interested in her. I mean, it wasn't like that at all. I just had these like, oh, we always go to dinner, or we always check in, or we always... And it's because there was a place in my life that I wanted someone that was that. And so it made sense that my best friend became that. And and that is okay to want that. You cannot fill in. It is, it, what I wasn't willing to have was gaps in my heart or in relationship. And so I thought, if I feel a gap, I can fill it with someone, you know? And, and if I feel it, then I'll just fill it with someone else until this man comes along. And the better thing to do is to say, man, it's sad to me that there's someone I don't check in with every day. And it's sad to me that I don't get to eat dinner with the same person every night. And, but that doesn't mean you fill in that gap with a friend. And so you just have to check yourself and go like, oh, I, I am doing to her what I expect out of a guy when I'm dating him. Or the amount of time we're spending together. Oh, how, I wonder where a boyfriend's going to fit in because there's, yeah, <laughs> I don't yeah. have any time because I'm with these three best friends all the time. Well, maybe you should make some time. And the other way you can really tell if your expectations are off is if your best friend or this friend that is in this role gets a significant other before you do mm. and you feel really left out or really alone, then you go, oh, yeah, I yeah. have set expectations on her mm -hmm. that are not hers. So Yeah, which to me, and Eliza, I would love to know kind of what you're hearing too. Just those gaps sound a lot like maybe that loneliness that we're so afraid of feeling sometimes. Yeah. Can you kind of elaborate on what to do when you feel lonely? Yeah. I mean, that is such a good lesson I've learned lately in the last couple of years of like actually choosing to feel loneliness. My counselor says, I think it's Chip Dodd and she has said it to me that he originally said that loneliness is what leads to true intimacy. And once you really feel loneliness, then you are able to start really feeling intimacy with people. And I've noticed that in my life Whoa. that I know, right, Eliza? Um, Good work. Right. And so when I am embracing and being okay with feeling loneliness, I'm noticing that I'm able to have more intimate friendships and my dating life is better because I have felt loneliness versus trying to fill it. And, and I do think it doesn't mean you sit at home every night by yourself. And I don't think you have to like every Tuesday I sit at home alone so that I have a night so that when I'm dating someone, I have a night. I don't think it's like that at all. I think it's this, the way you live, the way your heart lives of like, I have space for someone. I will make now. I have a very full and exciting and fun life. I think for me, I get to go fun places. I get to hang out with people. It is very clear to everyone in my life that I have space for a man, and that I and that that is what I want with my life. And when men come in, they recognize that there is space for them. But I've had to build a life like that. It hasn't always been like that. And so part of it is that I choose to feel lonely sometimes when I could fill it with going to see a movie or what I look at looking through Instagram on my phone or hanging out with friends again or texting a single guy that I shouldn't be texting because at least he'll respond and, and I'll get that bump of feeling, you know, and all that stuff. It's, I've got to be, be wiser than that. So yeah. Eliza, do you have, so yes, I, well, I have two questions for you. This is a personal question that everyone can listen to. Did, is that book, the voice of the heart by Chip Dodge? Yes. You know? Yeah. I think that's what it's from. It's uh, She just says it to me, but I'm sure it is from Voice of the Heart. Yes. I just bought that book. So just plug that I hear it. Good. With that, can you kind of speak into some people 
I, I guess the other side of like when you feel the gaps and where you can fill those gaps with healthy relationships. Uh, some people asked questions about the ways that families love and honor you and include you and how you cultivate community because you're single and because you do feel loneliness. What does that look like? Yeah, man, that they are some of the best gifts in my, in my whole life is my family friends. Um, well, part of it is that in my life season, most of the people that are in my age bracket are married with kids. And so if I'm not willing to be around married with kids, people that really limits my friendship opportunities. Um, though on the other side of that coin is, and we've talked about this a lot, Eliza, like I don't want my whole life to be married with married families with kids because then I don't have space for, for what else I want, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think it, it can give you a false sense of, um, not reality, but, but you can blink and six months has gone by and you haven't met anybody new. If all you're doing is hanging out with families, Mm. you know? And if you aren't like being intentional about being with other single people, going out, meeting, meeting new people, you've, had a great time, but you haven't done anything risky, you know, which is the beauty of families because families are really safe and really consistent and the kids are always going to be there, hopefully, you know, so that's part of it. So for me, cultivating that has looked like I just make friends with the people I make friends with. And I really love kids. So that probably plays into it too. I think kids are super fun to be around. So like even for my birthday, Saturday morning, it's like 15 kids are coming, you know, like doing brunch and swimming and it's like 15 kids and their parents, you know? And uh, so I think that's really, really fun. So I think, really, I mean, Eliza, you can speak into this too because you have so many family family friends like yeah. this. But I think you have to communicate what you need and what you want and be really open. And I may have said this on a podcast recently, but just a few weeks ago, I was talking with my married mom friends and they had all gone on vacation together and just didn't think to invite me, didn't think I'd want to go. And so I said to them in the car, hey, next time y'all do a vacation, I would love to go too, even though I don't have a husband or kids right now, you know, because it was the whole, it was families that went. Yeah. And they're like, oh my gosh, we just didn't even know. We didn't, and I was like kind of nervous to say it to them and felt a little weird. And, but I was like, no, I need to say this because this, they, they don't know. And I want them to know, you know, what about you, Eliza? How do you see that in your life? I think I've seen it play out in some really organic ways because I've had some incredible people just be gracious and invite me in. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. It definitely isn't just the singles job. It's not like I have to chase them down. There are a lot of families that have been really generous to, hey, come over and eat dinner. Let's go to lunch after church or come watch my kid's baseball game or, you know. And I think it's being honest about the spaces that exist. Like I think it can be really easy for a married couple or a family to think like, oh, we really care about this person, but like they're busy being single. And so I think the times when I've communicated like, hey, I'm really lonely tonight. Can I come bathe your kids? Yeah, right. Or can, <laughs> can I, come I like, yeah. can I eat? I'll literally eat peanut butter and jelly. I don't care. Like, or I remember one time I was sitting with some of my best friends and they were they were like, okay, who's putting the kids to bed, me or you? And I just was like, guys, can I go put them yeah. to bed? Like I just wanted to. Yeah. And the the interaction that then happened is they were like, oh my gosh, Eliza, we don't have you here to like babysit for us. And I got to remind them like, I'm not babysitting for you. I love your children like I love my family. So don't 
worry about it and you don't have to pay me. And I think it's also even drawing that line of sometimes people feel like, oh, if I let them be here while I'm just being a parent, like, should I give them something? And I've found this line of sometimes receiving when families around me want to pay me to take care of their kids, but also always reminding them, like, I just want to be family with you. Like, I'm not here to make money or to or to receive anything other than yeah. relationship. Yeah, that's really good. Maggie, have you seen that too? Yeah, actually. So I am kind of new to the world of having married friends. I'm 24 um, and I am single. So it's been actually really exciting for me to just explore outside of college, uh, you know, who the families are that I really enjoy spending time with. And um, I, I have a, a new family that I've been spending a lot of time with Uh <laughs> It was funny. I told her the other night uh, on Sunday, we've done this once. And I was like, Maria, I just love hanging out. Like, yeah. it's, it's like our thing that we go do something on Sunday night. And she's like, we've done this once. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, no, I love no, it's it. it's a thing. Um, and so just that assumption in my mind, one, it just we've I don't think we've ever talked about our relationship status. I mean, yeah. the last time we went through their wedding photos just because I was like, oh, my gosh, I want to see you guys uh-huh. when you were eight years ago, you know? Yeah. Um, but it's just not a topic that we're talking about. And I think it's just beautiful when like humans are just like letting things just flow and like they're interested and and they're not jumping into making assumptions of like, oh, Maggie feels like, uh-huh. you know, this awkward sixth wheel, you know? Yeah. Like all our kids are running around. But, and I think too, something that's really impressed me about them is they just do a fabulous job of like, you know, the multitasking, like right. where their kids over here spilling watermelon across the floor, you know? Yeah. Um, but they're still saying like, Maggie, I'm listening, I'm listening. And it's it's just that like, you know, I got to be flexible with the conversation too. And yeah, uh, just something consistent has been really helpful as yeah, well. Yeah, I agree. That's good. I think it's my turn. Yeah, bring it. All right, we're going to keep on this single thread. A lot of people were really interested to know kind of some rhythms that you've adopted um, as you wait in this season of singleness, but also rhythms to help celebrate where God has you. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll talk about the celebrating one first, because that is what you do. uh, Right. (laughs) As surprising both of you. Um, I make a real point to notice when I'm getting to do something that I will not get to do when I'm married with kids or when it'll be more difficult to do. Right. So getting to go to China last week, anybody can go to China. You can buy a ticket, whether you're a mom or a wife or a grandma or a single person. But it was really significantly easier for me to pack up and leave for a week than it is for a mom or even a married woman without kids. Um, So I so I try really hard to notice the things that I'm getting to do, the freedoms that I have, the opportunities that I have that will not look the same once I'm married. And if I have kids with kids. And so one of the main rhythms in my life is really paying attention to to the gifts of this season and what that in in the pain in some ways is a gift of this season as well because it has made me stronger it has made me pray differently it has um taught me about perseverance in ways i did not know before so that is true and then what was the other one that the rhythms of waiting. Yeah. Just yeah, while you're longing for something yeah, else. I don't, I don't know. I tell the truth of how I'm feeling when I'm dating someone. And when I'm not dating someone, I just tell myself the truth. Now that's probably a newer rhythm in the last decade that I didn't have before where I go, ah, this, this isn't working. And if this doesn't work, then I start over again and oh my gosh, or, 
I really wish I was in a relationship or I am afraid he doesn't want to be in this relationship or wherever I am, I'm just really truthful about it with about that rhythm. And also making sure I'm telling people the truth, not just telling myself the truth, but telling people the truth of like, yeah, I'm super frustrated about this and where I am in this process. I thought I'd be in a different place in a relationship or not in a relationship. I thought I'd be in a different place than I am right now. And so telling the truth to myself and to some trusted people has been the best rhythm for me and just not uh, Eliza and I were actually talking about this this morning, just not stopping praying. Just yeah. don't, I mean, it's like what Tom and Melissa Tanner oh, said. That. Wasn't that a great, so good. When I said, when I said they, people, what, what do you say when people say prayer doesn't change? You think you said they're wrong. I was like, yeah. You, oh, okay. <laughs> well, they're wrong. You can, and I just sat there cause I was like, you're going to say more. And he kept not saying more. I was like, okay, That's let me just it. follow up with the question. Um, <laughs> And so I think I will just keep praying. And I also recognize uh, this is not the biggest problem in the world. There's a lot of things going on for people that are way bigger, and God sees them too. I've really been wrestling with God lately, or wrestling with the idea for my a wrestle point, as some would say. Uh, the wrestle point. <laughs> uh, as John would like us to say. Um, I've really been... I can't even bring myself to say it now. I've really been wrestling down this idea yes. of... Um, what does it look like to want what I want in a world where so much is going wrong? Totally. Yeah. Right? Say more about that. Yeah. I, I don't know more. That's what I know. That's what I'm saying to God is like, I, I recognize that there are a lot of things on this planet that are incredibly important and my marital status probably isn't one of them. And I hate that because I wish it was. It is important to me and it matters to me. And I think my marriage and my family life really matter for the kingdom and will matter for the gospel being spread. But um, if it never happens, there are other things on the planet that really do need to happen that people need to hear the gospel. And that is a no brainer. So I'm also, I'm just having conversations with the Lord of like, this is really important to me and it's been really important to me for a long time. And I will keep praying that you do what I hope you do. And also I'm, I recognize that getting married is not, it is not a new thing. It's just a new page in the same book. It's not a new book. And so I'm ready to turn the page. If I don't turn the page, I'm still in the same book. So, but I think I am going to turn the page. I, think I, I hope so. <laughs> I, I'm ready to, to see what the to page see. Yeah, yeah. I want to see what's on the other page. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. Eliza, what you got? You want to keep going down the singleness trail? I am. I am. Okay. But the question, I think you answered most of it. I just think it's worth saying her question. And it says, when I struggle in my singleness, I struggle with remaining hopeful. How should I be praying in these times? Do you have words of encouragement? I guess to reiterate something you're already saying, and then you can add on of like, you're just, you're saying don't stop hoping and you're saying don't stop praying. And that sometimes that actually is what it looks like to hope. Yeah, that's right. And I, and I hate what I'm about to say. So preface to both of you, I hate what I'm about to say. <laughs> you just have to figure out what you're hoping for. You know, like, what are you actually hoping for? And what are you actually putting your hope in? And so I think that's a thing you have to, I'm not, I'm not going to say more about that. Everybody can find that out for themselves, what it looks like to ask that question in your own life. And the other thing is, is that I have tried the route where I gave up hope and I didn't care anymore. And I thought, whatever, forget it. I'm just, I'm just going to move on with my life. And that just doesn't work for me. That may work for other people, but that is not, that does not take away pain. That just makes me have a hard heart and towards God and toward my life. And, and I think a soft heart is way wiser, though way more vulnerable and at risk. 
But I do think we are allowed, even on a planet where there's a lot going wrong and a lot of other things that are really important besides getting married, having kids, and your personal life working out the way you dreamed it would, I also think God deeply cares about our personal lives, obviously. And there are women listening to this who have been dying to have a kid, and they just can't get pregnant. And there are women who who are, and and men, who want to have a kid and they can't. And there are people who are longing to be married, and there are people who are longing to have another kid or longing to get married again. I mean, we just aren't going to quit wanting the next thing. So to give up hope is to say, I don't want things anymore. You aren't just giving up wanting getting married. You're giving up. You're saying to yourself, I will not pay attention to what I want because it hurts too much to want. And what you're actually doing is closing off your heart. And so we have to open our hearts, want what we want, put it in perspective, but want what we want and trust that God is going to do what is right. I mean, y'all, y'all know this very intimately because you live life with me every day. I mean, I've spent a lot of time in my journal lately going, just do your will here. Like your kingdom come, your will be done. Whatever brings you the most glory in my story and in his story, whoever the his is, right? And my story and in their story and my story and in, you know, whatever brings the most glory in our lives, do that. And then every day I just choose to believe if prayer works and it does, if I am praying in accordance to scripture and I am that God's will would be done, that he would be glorified in my life, then whatever it looks like today has got to be that. And so I just have to believe that. That's good. Yeah. And just, I think about like, what am I gaining by not having hope anymore? Yeah. You know, like what, aside from what you said earlier, just my heart would get so hard. Yeah. It feels great for like, a few days. Right. Yeah, really, right, Eliza? I mean, it feels great to like, oh my gosh, I don't care. I'm just going to close off all hope. This feels awesome. Yeah, I think <laughs> I've repeated this so many times this year. One of the best questions I've been asked in 2018 is I was having a hard day and I was talking to our dear friend Chelsea and I just said, I just don't know if I can hold on. I just don't know if I can hold on today. And it's just that visual picture of like our hearts holding on to this inanimate idea of hope. And she just goes, well, what's the alternative? And it just like kind of slapped me into the reality of actually what it is to have faith in the unseen. And she was just like, okay, well, what happens if you don't? Like walk me through that. Because my answer to that was not very far. Like, and it just reminded me, like, even when we want to tell ourselves on the hardest day, like, I can't hope anymore. I, my heart can't have that capacity. Like, actually, we can yeah, because right. we want to. That's right. That's right. Let's move on to, like, church world. Sure. So Jenna wants to know what keeps you in church, even when you know that it's not living up to its potential. <laughs> that makes me, I have, like, nine questions back to Jenna All, about always. that. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I would say... If everyone is getting together on a Sunday and they're preaching the gospel, that it, that church is meeting its potential. <laughs> and so whatever else you've decided it needs to do to reach its potential, why? Where'd those things come from? And church is full of humans and it's always going to disappoint you. So it's always going to not reach the potential of what you want it to reach. But the truth is, if it's preaching the gospel and someone's showing up, it's doing exactly what the church was meant to do at the start, um, is bring people 
to herself as the church, you know? Um, so I think that's what do you do? You stay. That's what Scott Saul's. You can go back and listen to the Scott Saul's episode because I, it came out right when our pastor left. I sat down with Scott right when our pastor left Crosspoint two years ago, almost. And, uh, Scott said, when you stay in a church, when you want to leave is when you grow up. And I have literally thought that a hundred times in the last two years. What advice would you give for becoming a female leader in the church? You talk a lot about how you've been a mothering voice in your own church. So what would you tell those of us coming up behind you in how to lead well? Well, I would say lead wherever they need a leader. Don't wait for a certain spot. If they need a leader in the youth group, lead there. If they need a leader in the women's ministry, lead there. If they need a leader in small group area, lead there. Don't determine the important spot to lead and wait for it. Start leading where you are. And again, it goes back to prayer. Ask God to open the right doors and put you in the right spots. And he, he always does. He always does. And it may not be what you want exactly, but it'll end up being exactly where you're meant to lead. Do y'all agree with that? Y'all are both leaders in your church. Try to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, a friend of mine recently gave me the book called how to lead when you're not in charge. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember who it's by in this moment. That's okay. um, You'll tag it. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll tag it. Uh, about halfway through it right now, and it's just like, I got I to keep putting it down because the Holy yeah. Spirit is really using it to convict me and just mm. change the way that I'm considering, like, yeah. whether it's authority in my life and people who are offering me direction and, and really teaching me how to utilize the time that I have right now as a young leader in the church to, you know, I'm, people see me as someone who's teachable and they're like, oh, she's young. Let me teach her. And that's not going to be like that forever. Mm. And so finding that balance of like, I'm just soaking it in and I'm just learning. And uh, also there's a lot of grace and a lot of yeah. mistakes being made. Yeah, but just like same. if I keep running from those rather than facing them head on with the Lord, then, you know, I'm not going to grow and I'm not going to become, you know, the leader that I eventually want to be yeah. um, in the church and in my own life. Yeah, I agree. Eliza? Yeah, I think I would say two things. A, if it's specifically developing an understanding of being a female leader, and if that comes into play, like ask questions. And, and if that feels like, like it's a new thing um, for your faith and for your theology, ask questions and try to get your own understanding from people you trust. Um, but then B, I would, I would just agree with you, Annie. Like my church over the past few years, I've been in it with the plant, with the stage of it being planted. And I, we had an all church meeting a few years ago where our pastor just basically sat with us and was like, you guys are who make the church run. So we're at this stage where either we can sink or we can swim, but it has to do with you serving and showing up to all of us. And so I think that's what it means to be raised in the church and to believe in the church and to lead the church is you, you just fill where there is a need, like period. That's right. Got to bring in the Enneagram. Of oh, course. yes. Let's do Can't it. Can't have an episode without it. No, I wouldn't want to. Never. I wouldn't dare. Never, ever. So how do you feel like the Enneagram has furthered your relationship with God? Jeez. How is it not, <laughs> right? I mean, I wouldn't. The truth is, I wouldn't talk about it if it wouldn't have made my relationship with God better. Um, for me, figuring out, and people who listen know this all too well, figuring out how I handle pain has changed my life. Um and figuring out how to be in something instead of rush to the next thing has changed my life. And so watching myself change my patterns and listening to myself when I pray and listening to what God and I are experiencing has really opened up my eyes 
to me being a better part of my relationship with God. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like, like when one person in the relationship improves, the relationship improves and God doesn't need to improve, but I did. And so I am seeing that we have a better relationship because I'm healthier. So that's about being a seven and being a, being in the Enneagram, but for, but learning the Enneagram and recognizing that all nine types exist in God for us to understand each other better yeah. has helped me to see God in, in different lights. It's the same as going to different cultures, right? Like I saw a different, I saw more about God, more new things about God from going to China than I did before I went to China. And the same is true about learning the Enneagram to me. Yeah, that's good. I think one of my favorite parts about the Enneagram, I'm a nine for all of you listening, uh, was just recognizing that there are eight other ways that God engages with people most directly. And mm-hmm. like, I'm just by thinking that my way is the only way, like it's such a rut that I can get in and such a closed off worldview that like, it's been mind blowing to, to lean into like, Oh, what's life like as a one or what's life like as a, as a five, I want to learn that better and see how they connect with God. And in understanding and learning that it's just really expanded mm-hmm. my understanding mm-hmm. of like, there are a lot of ways yeah. to connect with God. Yeah, that's right. Um, Eliza, another question, ma'am? Yeah, this is a fun one. Describe a time in the last year you've experienced the goodness of God tangibly. How has this shaped this part of your journey with God? You know, in the last year, I wrote a book that comes out in October, and I experienced a ton of God's kindness and love in that. You know, I, I think the best way for me to answer this is to say that God keeps surprising me with things I didn't know I'd ever get. And so a tangible way, I mean, he's brought people in my life that were tangibly surprising and loving and good. And so I've experienced that. I also think, I don't know, Eliza, do you, is there a thing that comes to your mind for that for me? No, I, (laughs) no, I was curious. I think I was mostly curious, like, huh, I wonder if there's a memory or a moment that you just were like, whoa, I really, I, I just remembered. God in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually had no idea where it would go. Yeah. I don't, I don't have, I mean, that's why I journal, right? Because I can't remember this stuff. And so, yeah, yeah, it's in my journals for sure. I mean, there's been some real, Lent was really special this year. Um, yeah, there's been a lot of really good moments of God's kindness. So, okay. Y'all have one more, each have one more, like a bonus. All right. Bonus question. Yeah. (laughs) So I am a big reader. But yes. I guess even if you're not, you can still listen to the answer sure. to this question. But say somebody listening to this podcast, they're driving home from work and want to pull over at a bookstore. Uh-huh. What books should they get? Uh, oh, gosh. What books should they get? I would get um, for themselves. Yeah. Are they fiction and nonfiction? Yeah, we'll do both. Okay. So if you're going to get a fiction book, I love Where'd You, Where'd you Go, Bernadette? I thought that was so funny. So I would read Where'd You Go, Bernadette, because I really, really loved it. And a book that I pick up and read over and over again is Christy by Catherine Marshall. So I think that'd be another good one. And then nonfiction, anything Emily P. Freeman. I just think her stuff is so easy to read and so beautifully crafted. And But I would also, um, if you're single, the How to Find a Date Worth Keeping by Henry Cloud is my very favorite book on dating. I haven't heard of that one. Oh, girl. That's why I'm single. You Maybe. <laughs> I mean, when I, yeah, it may. I mean, it, it's for real. It's no joke. Um, and then I would say, I'm like looking through my bookshelves in my mind. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
Tribes by Seth Godin is amazing. Mm, that's a good one. And Andrew Murray keeps coming to my mind. Abide in Christ by Andrew yeah. Murray, which he's like an, a dead guy book, but I love it. love it. Yeah. So that's what I would say. That's good. That was my bonus question. There you go. Eliza, do you have a bonus question to finish us out? Oh, I do. Well, okay. This question, I felt like I obligatory had to ask because I do it with you like, I don't know, every weekend. Yes. What is your Starbucks drink order? Oh, okay. (laughs) It's so easy. Grande, no water, almond milk, chai, and sometimes, but not all the time, and a shot of ex- espresso. Yeah, in not it. espresso. I know people really have feelings about me saying espresso on Insta it's story. So wrong. I know. So <laughs> sometimes I like it dirty like that, but most of the time it's a grande, <laughs> no water, almond milk, chai from Starbucks. There we go. Great. There we go. So do they like stare at you and like, is she ever gonna finish her order? Sort of look, or <laughs> when I before I say the uh, well, just with like all the things, I like know, you're right? not just walking up saying, let me let me have one Give of those a cup iced of coffees. coffees. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm going. <laughs> don't put water in it and don't put milk in it. Right, it'll make my like face blow up. We'll have to epipen me. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's a real, and I always have to ask twice. It's super annoying. Right, right. So, um, well done. Thanks, girls, for being on the show. I feel like I know everything about you now. I know. Would you like to stick around while we say goodbye? I would love to. Eliza, would you stick around while we say goodbye? You know it. Okay, great. (laughs) I feel like Eliza has a goodbye song. (laughs) Oh, do you? Somewhere in her head. Eliza, will you sing, uh, will you do a birthday rap for me, though? Come on. Obviously. Okay. Ready? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Hey, my little friends, it's Anna's birthday. Come on there in the month of May, because it's not May, it's a little <laughs> July. It's getting so hot, we're singing on the fly. It's Anna's birthday in the month of July. Thank you well, so much. <laughs> I wish that that was, I mean, it is recorded. So there we go. Wowie, Zowie. Yeah. Thank you yeah. so Here. much. What better way to end the podcast? Improv. Of course, we have to end with what would you do that sounds fun to you? So Maggie, what sounds fun to you? Uh, I'm going to the Sounds game tomorrow for yes. 4th of July. It's like a good mix of crowds, but yeah. like I have a seat. And a you baseball know? game. Yes. Get a hot dog, some popcorn. The Coke Ices there are amazing. I can't so. wait. That sounds incredibly fun to me. Okay. Eliza, what sounds fun to you? Well, I have this new flamingo pool floating yep. that I haven't blown of up course. yet, but yep. I think it's really big. I just don't really quite know till I see it. So blowing that up and going to the pool sounds great. Okay. And for me, what sounds fun for me, since it's my birthday week, heck yeah, I have been doing, you remember last summer I drank too many Coke Ices or was of it two course. summers ago, Eliza? Two. I can't remember. Two. It was two summers ago and they, and my, my. Wait, <laughs> that's when we met. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That summer, summer. That summer at camp. And uh, my homeopathic doctor lady told me to quit drinking Coke Ices. She literally did. Yeah, she was like, Like she could see it in your yeah, results? Yeah, I don't yeah, <laughs> yeah, there was like, yeah, there was some sickness. that She was like, I think you're drinking too many Coke Ices. So I'm having one for my birthday. Yes, and you I deserve can't it. wait. I haven't had one all summer. You deserve it. So that sounds so fun to me to have a Coke Icy. <laughs> and I can drink them if I want to. I just also am super aware that there are certain things that make me more healthy and certain things make me less healthy. Dang. So it won't be my only one ever, but I haven't had one yet. I haven't craved so one So now yet. it's going to taste so, extra special. Oh, I can't wait. I'm, I know exactly where I'm going. There's this one place on 8th Avenue that I'm going to go. You know the one, Eliza, with the, the styrofoam one. cups. That's exactly so where well. I'm going. 
So, all right. Well, thanks, gals, for being on the show. And thanks to Dave and Aaron for being on the show with us as well. It's such a fun little mix of a birthday show. Thank you guys for your questions. We will try to do this every now and again just to go through some of the stuff because we do really want to honor the fact that y'all took time to type those out and do our best to answer them. Um, So thank you for doing that. And to Dave and Aaron for talking soccer with us. We now know officially that England won their soccer match against Colombia. So our France-England dreams and hopes are still possible. You guys jump in, watch the games tomorrow. Make sure you tweet me, Aaron, Dave, and use the hashtag baguettes. So we, because we are Viva la France, Viva la Blues. And, um, and happy birthday to me. Yay. Happy birthday. Thanks. Happy birthday. I appreciate it. Eliza, thanks for the wrap. You guys have a great uh, day. Go out and do something that sounds fun to you. And we will see you next week. 